0: Welcome to our podcast, Hey David, where Grandpa Rod talks about life and attitudes, hope, and success. Each week, he raises a new topic for David to consider. We hope it speaks to you too. We also hope you'll invite your friends to listen and that you'll share your comments with us. Here is Rod with today's topic. Hi, I'm Rod MacArthur, David's grandpa, and narrator of the Hey David podcast. Thanks for listening. I want David to have the best grandfatherly counsel I can give. It could be that you'll gain some light pointers too. Welcome. Today, I'm going to talk with David about depression. Don't ever confuse sadness or discouragement with depression. That's like comparing molehills to mountains. Many years ago, I was in a deep depression. I searched for and found a way out. Let me share it with you. Hey, David, it's Grandpa. Today... I'm going to tell you how I once handled depression. It's a true story. Recently, I came across some information that, quite frankly, saddens me. It said that 17% of young Americans in your age group, that is, from 17 to 25, have suffered from depression. It went on to say that almost twice as many were women than men. I'm not trying to bore you with statistics. These numbers alarm me. There is a solution. Depression is more than sadness or discouragement. It's much more. A friend described it as, quote, a dark muck that is gooey, and the more you fight to get out of it, the more it's easier to just sink and let it take over your life, quote. That's a sadness to me to hear that. Depression debilitates. It robs one of motivation. It steals hunger. All you want to do is sleep. There is no question in my mind that this level of depression is a chief cause of teenage suicide. Please, if you find yourself considering suicide, call 988. It's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Period. Call 988. How's that for an opening statement? When it comes to depression, I have firsthand experience. That may be hard for you to believe. You know me as an upbeat, positive, fun-loving, look-at-the-bright-side grandpa. And you're right. That's where I am today. But I had a season in my life so emotionally devastating that I went into depression. No, I didn't get professional help, at least directly. I knew exactly what the situation was and why I was so lethargic. I knew, and I knew there was nothing I could do to change my circumstances. Let me share my journey. It could help many people find hope when they think there is none. I know I did. I'm not unusual. So if I found hope when there didn't seem to be any hope, other people can too. Let me back up a little. My friend Steve and I decided we wanted to flip houses. We looked for houses that were owned by people who needed out. We looked for low-end housing that needed repair. We found a couple to work on. Putting in new heat systems, replacing the electric, fixing the plumbing, putting in drop ceilings, whatever it took to bring the house up to specs for Section 8 housing. We enjoyed working together more than I can tell you. We had great plans. We weren't just flipping houses, David. We were flipping houses to make a dream. We had this grandiose idea that we could flip one house and make an upstairs apartment accessible from the outside. We would rent the lower portion to Section 8 clients to cover costs and provide income. Then we would use the upper apartment For young men who wanted to learn how to preach. They could work on our properties. Earn some income. And study with me and with Steve. We saw an effort that could expand. Up and down the Wabash River Valley. In Terre Haute, Indiana. It was a dream. A cherished dream. We were best friends. Closer than anybody other than my wife. Then... He was diagnosed with melanoma cancer. We buried him a year later. He was gone. My dream, gone. My world, shattered. Our hopes were dashed. My labor partner was gone. His family and mine were knit together. His younger son was your dad's best friend. His younger daughter was my daughter's best friend. All that was upheaved. The grief was real. But depression isn't grief. Depression is what happens when grief tears away your dream and you don't see any way out. That thought was the key. That was the clue, the reality for me. But I'll come back to that. Life continued after Steve's passing. I kept working on the projects that he and I had worked on I even rallied our collective children to work with me, at least the older ones. We completed some projects, but we ended up selling the houses. I was chasing a dream that had vanished. I was trying to grasp the mist of that dream, the vapor trail, but I couldn't. Slowly, I descended into a depression that seemed to have no wind, no answer, No way out. I had no motivation. All I wanted to do was sleep. I wanted to avoid the pain any way I could. More than once, I had the thought of just getting in my car and driving away. How's that going to work, I asked myself. The farther I drive, the farther I get from the only reality that made sense. My family, my friends, and my work. But that thought haunted me. Could I just leave and leave the pain behind? I was a pathetic husband and a useless father for that season. It might have been a year. I don't remember. I don't remember. But I do remember needing to find answers. So I went to the library and I checked out a book on depression. An amazing thing happened. This is where the talk has its teeth. This is where the rubber meets the road. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I have no training in psychology, but I know what worked for me. So I'm going to tell you what I learned from that book. Some of it played along with what I already knew. Solomon said, quote, as a man thinks within himself, so is he, end quote. Jesus said essentially the same thing when he talked about bad behavior coming from the heart. He said. Quote, the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and these defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, etc., End quote. I knew that thoughts generate action, but I came to realize that thoughts also generate emotions. Thoughts work on the brain, which is one magnificent chemical factory, to produce the body chemistry that makes us feel elated or sad. We can feel excited or fearful or angry because of our thoughts. Let me illustrate. Let's say you're standing on the corner of the street talking with a friend face to face, with his back to oncoming traffic. You're facing it. As you talk with him, you notice a delivery van that seems to be out of control. In fact, it is speeding toward you. That's the truth. The van is speeding toward you. But only you panic and not him. Why is that? It's the same event. You're both directly in the line of the careening vehicle. You're both about to be hit, but only you panic. Why? The answer is simple. You saw it and thought to yourself, I'm about to be hit. He didn't see it and consequently had no such thought. Yet the truth is he's about to be hit just like you. My point is clear. Only one of you panicked, and it wasn't because of the event as much as it was because of the thought that that event generated. You thought you were about to be it, so fear gripped you. He experienced no fear. You could say the same thing about going to a movie. Watching the movie, have you ever cried? Have you ever laughed at the movie? Actually, nothing has happened other than What was portrayed on the screen, but there weren't real people up there. But your mind was playing the script and you laughed at the appropriate places and you cried at the appropriate places and got angry when you were supposed to. Your thoughts, not some real activity, but your thoughts generated all those emotions. That truth helped me. Compare it to YouTube videos. Using my smartphone, I have complete control over what I watch. In the same way, I have the ability to change what I watch in my mind. I can change my thoughts from negative to positive. I can change my thoughts from for me to what's next. I can dial up a new scenario to noodle on. What was happening to me with Steve's death All I was letting myself think about was, poor me, he's gone, my dreams are gone, my life is shot to pieces. That's all I let myself think about. Now, if a man is what he thinks about, and all I thought about was how bad things are for me, what's that going to do to me? I had to learn to think differently. That's where the book came in. I read only one chapter, and that was all I needed. Let me see if I can illustrate what I learned. The essence of it is, you can make a life out of the things you don't have, and if you don't make a life out of the things you do have, you're not going to have a life. That's the essence of it. So, David, I imagine myself being a fine furniture maker. I have a set of plans, and I want to make a beautiful coffee table out of black walnut. Your uncle in Canada has some wonderful black walnut texture in his house. But in my storehouse, I see maple, oak, cherry, hickory, and other fine hardwoods, but no black walnut. I have plenty of materials to make something, but I don't have any black walnut. I could mope about not having black walnut, or I could get busy using the cherry, for example. The essence of the lesson was this. I can't make furniture out of what I don't have, Black Walnut. So if I don't make furniture out of what I do have, Cherry or any of the others, I'll end up making nothing. All that stockpile, the hardwoods would go to waste. That's where my depression was. I was still trying to keep the dream alive, and I didn't have it. I wasn't looking to see if there was any other thing that I did have that I could use. When it dawned on me, okay, this one is no longer available to you, next man up, what do I have next? When that dawned on me, amazingly, the depression began to subside. Purpose in life returned, appetite returned, even ambition returned. It was gradual. I still mourned my friend and the emptiness, but I didn't let the mourning continue to depress me. I realized there was still purpose in life, things I could do. I took inventory of what I had available to me and plotted how to use what I could use to move ahead in life. Fast forward to now. That was 37 years ago. You know who I am. Upbeat, positive, positive. Sometimes over exuberant. My life is great. I still miss Steve. He was a great friend. Probably the best friend I'll ever have. But I have a life built out of the inventory I have at hand. I haven't tried to build anything from what was taken away from me. Nobody can do that. So there you have it, my story about depression. What's your takeaway? I hope you find a simple solution. Grieve your losses? Yes. But take inventory. What do you have in your life at your fingertips under your control out of which you can build a positive life? Everybody has something. And who do you have in your life to support you as you move forward? Take inventory. Find that thing and those people. Let these become your new focus Grieve your loss, but find your gain. I love you, David. If you're having thoughts about suicide, please call 988. Thanks for listening. If you've got something worth holding on to from this blurb, come back next Monday. Next week, I want to talk with David about taking responsibility for choices and actions. Finger-pointing and blame-shifting never fixed anything. Stand up and man up. Own it and move on. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Hey David. If you have thoughts, comments, or questions, please send them to rod underscore macarthur at comcast.net. Rod will get back to you. Also, check out the church's website, www.churchofauburnwa.com. You'll discover a ton of information. You may especially enjoy the page Blurbs from Rod. Until Until next next Monday, Monday, have have a a joy-filled week.